Happy Thanksgiving, Fenway Rundown listeners. We're going to try something a little different this week, as we sometimes do on the show. Uh, but this is going to be super different. Uh, I'm home for the holidays here in central Massachusetts. And uh, that inspired me to have my dad, David Cotillo, by no means a podcast regular. This is definitely his first time. Um, accountant by day, podcast superstar over Thanksgiving break, as you're about to find out. But, um, you know, it's time to talk to family, catch up with family. And, and obviously, that's what we're going to do on the show this week. So hope you enjoy it. We had some laughs, uh, talked Red Sox, talked my baseball career. Some other funny things from the past, so hope you enjoy it, and uh, have a great Thanksgiving. So I am here at home, uh, the house I grew up in, central Massachusetts, last night as I was talking to my parents over dinner about who would be a good podcast guest for this week. My mom said, how about dad? And the first reaction was, well, no, that's funny. And then I thought, that's actually a great idea. So uh, this is a big moment for the Fenway Rundown. You've heard Sam Kennedy. You've heard Alex Cora. You've heard you know some of the biggest names in baseball. And now we have one of the biggest names in local accounting, Dave Cotillo, joining the show for the first and and potentially only time though. Um, you know, if you do well, we might make this an annual Thanksgiving tradition. How are you today, Dad? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, as as a uh, very loyal listener of the show um which i think is just part of your job requirements as my father we appreciate all the support i, I thought it'd be interesting to actually have you as you know obviously kind of using the everyday fan things a little overdone but just somebody who has been you know red sox fan for so long somebody who's paid attention for so long and obviously you have a great knowledge of the team not just from uh having your son's tweet notifications on but also you know knowing and, and watching the games and all that type of stuff so you know, this is going to be kind of like a, a Thanksgiving, you know, dinner table chat as people sit down for Thanksgiving dinner and they talk baseball in this region right now. What's the topic? I mean, what is the what is the storyline you think people are going to be you know, sitting down and talking about what is on, on the mind of the fan right now? And, um, and how's that how's that playing out? Well, I think the big the big question is whether uh, the Red Sox are going to sign Xander Endeavors and um, make them the cornerstone of the organization for the next, you know, five to 10 years. I think the other issue that seems to be an issue every year is whether sale is going to be healthy next year and what the starting rotation is going to look like. Um, I guess there's some talk of Whitlock staying in the starting rotation, um, which would weaken the bullpen. So, you know, starting pitching, bullpen, all those things are on the table as far as, you know, question marks and how they're going to fill in um, – you know, maybe you'll all be leaving and that type of thing. I mean, are those conversations happening? Like from my point of view, I'm kind of inundated with it, right? Like I just see the Red Sox stuff on Twitter all the time. It's kind of the, my whole existence, especially on Twitter, just seeing, you know, the um, what people are saying, how fans are reacting to things. But, you know, as a region, the Patriots are always interesting. They kind of run town. The Celtics and Bruins are off to such hot starts. Like, as someone who has seen this for a long time, do you feel like the Red Sox, as Dan Shaughnessy and others have written, do you feel like they've fallen behind? Um, I would definitely say yes. I, I would say, you know, back in the day, it was all Red Sox. No, we have our first. We have our first back in the day of the podcast. So, I mean, it was all it was all Red Sox because there were so many people my age that were waiting for that championship to come. Um, you know, it was the one thing that we we needed to have fulfilled in our life before we went to the pearly gates. 
Right. So from that perspective, it was more had more importance. Um, and at the time, the Patriots kind of stunk, and the the Bruins were always good, and the Celtics were always good. But I'd say now, given that ninety eight five is the dominant sports radio station, they definitely don't focus on the Red Sox because they don't carry the Red Sox. They focus mostly on the Pats, which um, because they carry the Pats, the Celtics, and the Bruins, that's their main focus. Um, but even with the Patriots, I think that I think people are interested in that, thinking that it's the old Patriots, but it's really not. It's right. it's the Patriots without Tom Brady, and everyone's interested to see what's what's going to happen. So, um, other than Tony Maserati's show, um, you know, during the baseball season, they really don't focus on the Red Sox. I mean, there's a case to be made, and I think people have said this that in the last couple of years, the Buccaneers have been more popular around here. You know, obviously the Red Sox with with a big you know return to relevance in 2021. But I mean, what what is it? I mean, as a you know, and I, I'm I think you obviously you know you're an educated fan. You know what's going on. You know more probably the behind the scenes than other people do, just because of me and telling you things. But like, what do they need to do to get back to kind of running town? Is it just a matter of winning is it a pace of play thing i mean how do the red sox kind of reclaim that crown is it as simple as you know go sign your homegrown stars and go win a championship i mean how do they get back to that spot um i I think from my standpoint i i think they need to be more consistent um it's like one year they do great the next year they they stink and it's um you're kind of on a roller coaster where Mm -hmm. before it seemed like they were building a team for the future. I mean, if you look at the Astros, they've been so consistent over the last few years. I think fans um, are looking for more of a consistent, you know, performance from one year to the next. Um, and if they play well and they win, people will go to the ballpark and there'll be more interest on the radio. Um, I don't think the fan base is what it used to be. I think it's more of a younger group that drink beer during the game. I think, you know, it used to be the old Red Sox fans were in the same seats in the in the in the park, you know, enjoying the game and waiting for that first World Series. But now it's a different crowd uh, with different motivations to go to the game. Do you find that the game is even as a lifelong baseball fan, you know, in your in, in your late fifties, do you feel like the game is too long, too boring. I mean, or is that just like a young person's take, right? Like, is that just, you know, 20 something with a, with a phone in their hand? I mean, how do you feel on that? Well, I, I think my brain's probably wired different than a 20 year old. Um, I enjoy, I, hope so. I enjoy watching baseball. Um, it's actually very relaxing and that always used to move at a, at a fairly um, decent pace. Uh, I think, you know, the last 10, 15 years, it definitely has slowed down to the point where, it is kind of obnoxious the amount of time that the pitchers hold the ball, you know, the, the batters getting in and out of the, the box. So they do definitely have to address that because if they could make the game two hours and 40 minutes, um, that would be a lot better than three and a half, four hours because people just don't have that, that time commitment to, uh, to watch a game that takes four hours. We got right up to the right up to the line on old man yells the cloud there, but you didn't cross it, which is uh, number one, good yeah. good news. Number two, very proud of you for for staying on the on the normal person's side. You talked about Bogarts. You know, we we've talked to I think 
so many people in the organization and, and they say over and over, we understand the importance of homegrown stars. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, I think, you, you know, growing up, your favorite player was, was Jim Rice. And, you know, you were growing up in the era of, you know, a, a lot of really good homegrown stars, many of whom played their entire careers here. We've seen that, you know, especially in the modern game, be rarely the case. I think, you know, if you want to regale the crowd with the story of me bawling my eyes out as a seven, eight year old when they traded Nomar, um, you're more than welcome. Now I only cry if games go over four and a half hours and Chris yeah. Smith, Chris Smith's not working, which is a discussion for another day. But um, I mean, in terms of homegrown stars, do you feel like that has to be the identity of the organization again? I mean, do, do Red Sox fans, would they rather have, you know, all right, sure. Maybe Carlos Correa is a better player right now. Maybe you go out and get him, but you get to get, you have to know Carlos Correa, right? You know, Xander Bogarts, you know what he yeah. means. You know what he brings, you know, he can bring it in this market. Is it, better is it more important from a consistency standpoint for fans to have the guy they know the guy they love all that type of stuff um i used to think that way but um, i i think more it has to do with um whether the player whether they're homegrown or a free agent has the, the ability to play in this market yeah. um i think xander does i think devers does uh jd martinez definitely does mm-hmm. but there's been other free agents who have come in here and have been really good ball players other places, but just couldn't adapt to the environment and the attention of having, you know, not two reporters in the in the clubhouse, but right ten reporters and it can be yeah when you have when you have guys like Sean McAdam, Ian Brown down your throat every day. I mean, that gets to people quickly, right? Those are that's the hard hitting yeah. questions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that factors into it. I mean. You know, back in '75, when you had you know Rice, Lynn, and, and Evans, um, you know, playing in the same outfield, you know, that was pretty cool that they all were brought up through the Red Sox system. But it was a different time, and free agency was different then. Um, so players don't want to stay with the same team, um, you know, their whole career as well, you know, because they can just make more money going somewhere else. Right. I mean, this is a question that I. I hate to always ask it or think this way because it's at the end of the day, it's the audience, right? It's the people that it's a group that when I say Red Sox fans, I used to be a big part of obviously as a kid, it's different now and we can outline the reason I could do a two hour podcast episode on why for you, obviously it's a little different because you know, the behind the scenes, right. But you still generally care, you know, about, um, about the team. Um, are, Are Red Sox fans like, in a weird way entitled now like four championships in the last 20 years all of a sudden like it's the the expectation is winning every year uh instead of you know we're gonna win once down down the line have you i mean i know you're on twitter uh and that hellscape that that is do do you see that that shift at all um because to me it's interesting like there's a lot of John Henry, Tom Warner hate out there, right? But they have won four titles since 2004. If you had told anybody previously between 04 and 18, you win four titles. I think people would take that in a second and somehow, some way it's 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 not good enough. I know that sounds like a homer take, but sometimes it's worth taking a step back. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you know, for myself, um, once they won the first title, that relieved so much stress and anxiety and, you know, watching them lose in, in 86 and then 75, they, they lost in 75 as well. So it was just building up. But once 2004 came, um, you know, that kind of took the monkey off my back. And then we won all the other championships. So 
if they do get in the playoffs, I'm definitely interested um, and, you know, excited. My heart's not beating out of my chest like it did before we won the World World Series. Mm-hmm. But um, Who's we? You were on the team? Well, no. <laughs> yeah. I should. The amount of time I've invested in the Red Sox, I should be on the team. Or on right. the payroll. But, um, yeah, so now if they, if they get in the playoffs and they have a good showing, you know, I'm happy about it. But um, – I'm not devastated if they if they do lose. Let's let's completely switch topics. Dig into, I think what is the more interesting part of this, which is me, and uh, you know, I guess I have some questions that are deep, deep burning questions for you. Number well, one, for your psychiatrist. Yeah, well, number one. Why do you push me to keep playing baseball all those years when I clearly sucked and was always cut out to be behind a keyboard like the rest of the BBWA um, members who are completely incapable of playing any type of sport? Well, I, I think you are a better baseball player than you give yourself. Now, here we go. Here we go. Um, yeah. I always thought you were a really good hitter. Um, wrong. Objectively wrong. <laughs> you couldn't really throw very well but no uh, or no but when you did connect you had a lot of power and um you know you, you had that a, people at home swing plus you you had a passion for the game and when you did play as much as you say you you didn't enjoy it you know no i you, did when you did do well you got excited and you know had a lot of fun you you know didn't want to go and do drills and practice and that type of stuff you wanted to just have all the accolades without doing all the, the hard work. Right. But, well, I'm a kid who grew up in the 2000s. That's kind of the thing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm waiting think, on a, this generation thing, you, but go you ahead. Were, we're passionate about baseball and um, always knew you were going to do something in baseball. I, I, I knew you weren't going to play, you know, past, um, you know, freshman year in, in high school uh, or college, but I always knew that, you know, you, you loved baseball. You loved the business of baseball. You know, you, you started keeping track of transactions on a spreadsheet when you were six years old and then started. Yeah, people account. don't even hear that. And uh, so I wanted to keep the, the fire burning so that eventually if you found some other niche in baseball, you, you'd, you'd have the same passion for it. And I think you, you have done that. When we look back at my baseball career, and I feel like I have a, an easy answer here, but what is what is the most memorable moment, would you say? Well, that's an easy one because um, there was one uh, Babe Ruth game that you played. and um, Fall ball. Fall ball, I think it was. And the bases were loaded, and you happened to be on third base, and one of our bigger sluggers came up and hit it over the fence. It was a grand slam. So everyone's running around the bases, you know, yelling, screaming, cheering, happy, happy what happened. You know, everyone gets around home plate, they're jumping around. And then all of a sudden the uh, crowd dissipates. The umpire comes out and calls you out because Correct. Right. did not touch home base. So the grand slam was taken off the board. There were two outs. Uh, I was so excited for our teammate, and we'll we'll just name him Christian Miller. Still feel bad to this day, probably ten years later. So excited for your first grand slam that I just missed home plate. The catcher, who is a narc and 
I mean, you're 14 years old, man. Give it a rest at that point. Pointed at me, called me out, uh, and uh, the umpire agreed with them, and that was it. That was a uh, very silent walk back to the dugout, and uh, that was, I think, the moment I knew, like, maybe you go start tweeting about baseball. Maybe this is not cut out for you. Another one, maybe the um, – finally make the all-star team in middle school and oh, yeah. the, the oh, first wow. practice this is another absolute shining well, moment he was, always, um, he was always on the bubble as far as making the um making the all-star teams you know mm. from either Babe Ruth or whatever it was so this one year you know after paying off the coaches or whatnot he, I finally got him on the team yeah that's and, not true folks but um I usually played second base or infield somewhere but for some reason he was shagging balls in right field, you know, during batting practice, which is always a mistake. Um, mm -hmm. If you've ever watched Chris, you know, run. Which um, none of these people have. Well, actually, the media game, you know. Maybe I, yeah. Right. I did. There is. I do. I do send out. But I mean, the, what you see now with the running is weighed down by the soft serve machine at Fenway. So right. we'll get your thoughts on that in a minute. That's fine. Keep but anyways, going. Um, so. Chris was out in right field. Someone hit the ball. Keep in mind, this is his first opportunity to be on the All-Star game. He runs. He tries to do a diving catch. He breaks his wrist, and mm -hmm. that was the end of his All-Star baseball career. Yeah. Um, that was fun while it lasted. Thank you. Don't don't cry because it's over. Smile because it's over. Yeah. Um, Let's, do, let's dig into that ice cream thing right now because it's, you know, the fans on Twitter, they love the soft serve posts at Fenway. Yeah. Like if you really break it down here, 365 days in a year, I cover about 60 home games. I'd say 95% of the time I get my Sunday. So let's say, let's say it's like 57, 58 Sundays over the course of time. Let's I'll give you, I'll even give you 60. You, mm -hmm. you, I mean, I don't eat sweets in the off season, right? Peak, peak, peak condition. But w when, when I, you see it every day on Twitter, it looks like more than it is. If you really break it down, 60 days out of 360, one-sixth, it's about once a week. So if you were to have ice cream once a week over the course of the year, I don't think it's that bad for you. But the responses I get over text from you on the soft serve, it, it, it makes it seem like it's more of a significant, severe problem. So I'll let you weigh in on that now. Well, I, I think if you stretched – 60 ice creams over a year. Your body, that's what I'm doing. That, that's well, what I'm not, doing. Though. Yes, I am. I your am. Your body would be able to metabolize that over, okay. over time. You're eating 60. Sorry, I didn't know you were a doctor of biology. Well, I, I have a minor degree in, in medicine. That's but, not true anyway. at all. In your case, you're eating um, massive amounts of cholesterol in a short amount of period. Okay. So, with reference to 365, maybe your cholesterol count um, and wow. not those days. It's once a week. We're That's just really out. Yes, I mean, but there's no need. I'm thriving. Yeah. Uh, next up, what is your favorite since I now we're almost going on 10 years of me being on Twitter and uh, tweeting things and having people respond and trolls and different people all over the country, all over the world get back to me. What is your favorite insult you've ever seen uh, levied my way? Well, um, first of all, we're coming up on what nine or ten year anniversary of um, 
you know, it was around Thanksgiving when you broke that first trade, um, yeah. the trade in the um, rookie Nebraska free agent signing. Right. I remember that like it was yesterday. It was the golden uh, moments of every kid's childhood breaking the Ricky Nolasco trade. You remember everybody everybody remembers where they were, you know, first kiss, driver's license when they broke the Ricky Nolasco trade. Well, I just remember you came out and said, Oh, I got this trade. Do you think I should put it on Twitter? And I said, you know, what do I know? I'm an accountant, but you know, right. the world. That and could be you, the title of the whole pod today. Yeah. So you put it on there and you were pacing back and forth. You went outside, walked around the house about 50 times. Yeah. Finally, Rosenthal or Heyman uh, uh, confirmed it. And uh, that's how it all started. Right. And now, 10 years later, you would have thought I would have progressed probably more career-wise than interviewing my dad yeah. on the day before Thanksgiving on a podcast. But, you know, to each their own. Original question. Um, one of the best tweets um someone tweeted at you just a few weeks ago which was hilarious was um you got into some scrap about devers mm -hmm. in any case one of the best tweets that came back at you was um chris you smell like yesterday's tuna casserole that's right which was funny because you you actually do but i right. don't know how a person would have known that it was your it was your burner account i guess my, you're probably too old to know what a burner account is. My favorite, uh, my favorite one is, uh, very early on during the trade deadliner era, which I hate calling it that because no one knows what it means. But when I had that, uh, anonymous Twitter account talking about baseball news and rumors and I was breaking stories while I was in high school, people were just convinced that it was just some in thanks to you. Um, and you know, so someone would, someone tweeted to me once you're only getting these scoops because of your rich dad and his rich friends. And I read it and I was like, that's just not true. And then you put it as succinctly as possible and tweet it back to the person. I'm his dad and I'm poor and have no friends. So I think that that, you know, clearly, uh, yeah, that buck that, that theory right now. Um, but you know, uh, you, uh, if you do have a scoop for me at any time, ice cream or not, I'm willing to take it. Well, that is that is Dave Cotillo again, probably first and last ever uh, appearance on the Fenway Rundown. I uh, I appreciate your time. I mm -hmm. uh, and who knows? You got a uh, you might have a future in this podcasting thing if the if the whole yeah, you know. I think, I think you know once this gets out, it's I'm going to be on other outlets as well. You know, right? Time. Yeah, no, it's just it is, and uh, you know the accounting thing can be secondary, but we appreciate it. I love you, and thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Proud of you.